Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here is your host, director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. I am really truthfully glad that you guys are joining with us today, coming to listen to the radio show. You know what, guys? Right now outside the studio, it's kind of one of those gloomy days. I don't really mind those too much because you feel a little bit of sprinkle here and there, and it's certainly better than knowing that, you know, the weather is hot and dry and fires are going all over the place. But I know that on a lot of people, it, it tends to make them maybe a little down in the dumps or depressed, and they look at the news and they look at the way the world is going, and they feel that 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 strain and they feel that distance and they uh, feel the worry of the way that the world is going. And, you know, the important part is to know that the, the Bible tells us clearly that in this world we will have trouble. But one of these days there will be no more sin and there will be no more death for us because we will be at home with the Lord. And I'm preparing a sermon even now that we're talking about Uh, some of Paul's attitudes towards his life and towards his death. And, you know, as I contemplated those things, I I came to to think of a scripture that we are all probably pretty familiar with in Hebrews 12, and it says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And I, I just wanted to to expand on that a little bit. When it says he, despising the shame, what it means is he held that of no regard. You know what? You've got the Lord of glory, and you are hanging him on a cross, which is is just a shameful place in those days that anyone should ever— Cursed is the man who hangs on the cross. But because of the joy that was set before him, because he was bringing life to all those that would follow him, hey, you know, he was good. He was good. You know, that shame that is put a million miles away from me, the pain, the suffering, all those things are away from me because you know what? I love the Father. The Father loves me. And those that the Father has given me, I love them, and I will spend eternity with them. They will be saved from their sins. What a glorious thing that is. And you know what? I want you to think about this. If if you're just going to church on Sunday, and you're just reading your Bible and you're praying, those are great things. Don't misunderstand. We all need to be doing that. Every child of God needs to be on their knees in their word and in their local church, you can't be a secret agent Christian, especially when the persecution starts. And if it starts in this country the way it is in so many other countries, or even in the first century with the way that Nero attacked the church, then we have to be ready for those things, right? What's the old saying? You're never ready to to uh live until you're ready to die. And in the Christian faith, that is so true. You're never really 
ready to experience all of God's love, the freedom of of your salvation until you're prepared to die. You know, if if you are going through life and you really don't know where your eternal destination is, well, then you've got a big problem. I re, I was trying to get the sermon all prepared and I came across something that J.I. Packer had said, and I, I thought it was profound. And putting aside any theological uh, implications of this, in other words, what I'm saying by that is it isn't theological possible what, we're gonna, what I'm going to ask you, but let's just hypothetically say it were. If you could go to heaven right now, in the, let's say you're undergoing some horrible things, and you could go to heaven right now where all family that, that passed before you were waiting for you, your life would be eternal, would be pleasure-filled, would be, would be just everything marvelous that you could think of, free from pain, suffering, everything. And I'm not quoting him directly because I don't remember what he said exactly. But this is the, the idea of it. And you could have all this for eternity, and you could have it right now. With the exception that Jesus wouldn't be there, would you want to choose that right now? And if that's the case, then there's a problem with your theology and my theology. Because he goes on to answer the question, for him it would be no because if Jesus isn't there, it, it isn't heaven. And that's so true. We need to be so in love with the Savior that whatever circumstance happens, whatever we do, we could be like Paul who knew that, you know, he had stuff to do and it's profitable to stay and do those things, but man, to die is gain. Why? Because he was so in love with Jesus Christ, he only wanted to do what, what he wanted him to do. He wanted to be in heaven so bad, but you know what? More importantly right now than me is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the glorification of God, the amplification and, and that magnification of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, I'm not asking you to call me and tell me what your decision is. I'm just asking you to stop and take a view of your life and examine it for a minute and then put your priorities in order. If, if you have to say, well, I don't know if what I would choose, then let me suggest what you do. You go before the Lord of glory who loves you. If you're a Christian and you're in Christ Jesus, he loves you. He knows your failings. He knows my failings, and heaven only knows that is a lot. But if you go before the Lord of glory and just tell him, just ask him, Father, I want to love you more every day. I want to love you with my heart, my mind, my soul. I want you to be preeminent in my life. So that at the end of my life, whenever that should come, instead of laying in a bed fearfully somewhere, you can look up and know he is coming for me. And I am so happy that I'm going. And that's what I want for myself as well. 
I mean, you know, I spent 10 days in the hospital. I know you guys are probably bored with hearing about that. I don't blame you. I'm bored about it, too. But I spent 10 days in the hospital, and it was nip and tuck, and nobody knew if I was going to make it or not. And I didn't even know. I mean, obviously, God knew. But regardless of that, uh, where is my hope? My hope wasn't in the doctor, and it, it was in Christ. But, you know, I was praying that he would see me through. But here's the other prayer. The other prayer was that if I am not slated to pull through this thing, may I be in your arms a millisecond after the heart starts ticking, stops ticking. And that's how I feel this very day. All I want, truthfully, is to know that if if I were slain for the faith that that I could rejoice that I was I was my lost my life in the defense of the gospel that I loved Jesus to the very end that like Paul I could say I've run my race and the crown is stored up for me in heaven I mean that truly is my priority in life do do I want to stay here yeah I have family I have children and I have grandchildren I have friends that I would like to see and and things I would like to do. Um, The reality of life and how fragile it is, when I lost Olga, my wife, of 47 years, I realized how fragile life really is. It didn't seem real to me. And so we are left to carry on, but what are we carrying on for? We're carrying on for the glory of God. We're carrying on for the love of Jesus Christ and Why do I love him? I love him, just like the Bible says, because he loved me first. You know, he loved me when I was a sinner. I mean, I'm still a sinner saved by grace, but when I was an enemy of God, even though I didn't think I was an enemy of God. So our relationship with Jesus Christ will bring us more joy than we could ever plan or ever try to grasp for ourselves. We, we need to be so close to Christ that we can truthfully say that, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to stay here if that's what God wants, but for me to die is gain. And if that happens, and we can truly say that, if, I can, if you can say, like the very first that we were talking about, that, hey, you know what? I don't want to go to heaven if Jesus isn't there. I don't want to have everything in my life satisfied to live a life that is totally wonderful if Jesus isn't there because there is no heaven without Jesus. And so I, I want that for me and I want that for you. I want that for the people that have despitefully used me. I want that for the people that have loved me. I want that for all the people that are listening out here today and and. Because Jesus has impressed in my heart to give me a love that I couldn't have generated on my own. You know, I mean, there was a time when I thought justice meant every bad guy gets it. And I never stopped to realize that I was one of the bad guys. (laughs) I mean, I wasn't out there to intentionally hurt people or do anything like that. But, you know, uh, before Christ, I was certainly self-indulgent. And I believe that God has changed me. I've still got a lot of growing to do. I've got a whole lot of wisdom to gain. And 
I, I pray that God will give that to me and that he will give me greater patience and greater love and care and consideration for people, uh, whether it's at the mission or whether it's at the radio station, whether it's in at home or, or driving in my car, that, hey, th- that guy that cut me off you know, in traffic, he's one of two people. He's either saved and a brother in Christ or he's lost, and I need to be praying for him, not mad at him. So anyway, <laughs> I know that was a long opening, wasn't it? But you know what? I, I really truthfully think of you guys all the time. And when I come on the radio show, I I don't necessarily want you to say, well, yeah, a guy does a great radio show because, you know, I'm an amateur. I stumble and I have my moments. But I hope that you realize that I really do care about how you perceive things. I, and I'm not talking about perceive me. I'm talking about I really care about how you look at Jesus Christ. I want you to worship him, and I want him to give you the freedom that only Christ can give you. And it can't be found anywhere else. He is the way and the truth and the life. It's really true no one comes to the Father except through him. And that is my hope for you. Those that hate me because I'm a Christian pastor, I understand, but I still don't want you to go to hell. You know, I think of, I think of when Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And the implication is that he just, he loved them and didn't want the worst for them. And I don't want the worst for you guys either. So, Now, back to the mission to let you know some of the things that are going on at the mission. We are are still proceeding with some of our plans to remodel the whole of the old building, the shower areas, the dorm areas. Uh, You guys have have supplied money to us, and we're going to have a capital campaign to try to do matching funds. We already have 70,000 of matching funds. And so I'm not, I'm not telling you this to try to get you to give us money right now. What I'm trying to tell you is that it's an exciting time at the mission, even with all the COVID. We're trying to get a huge canopy structure, and that's becoming more and more difficult too. We're trying to get some way of covering the parking lot out between the two buildings so that we can have our chapel services outside if COVID doesn't break or if that a new pandemic comes along. And I know I talked a little bit with you guys about that. Uh, we are also, like I said, in this remodel, we've already purchased the washers and dryers for the, the new laundry room. We have a laundry room, but if you were to see the old washers and dryers that are back there that we've tried to nurse along for years and buy, you know, the ones from, from our local uh, catalog store or whatever you want to call it, uh, they just were never adequate, and these are the big deals. You know, 50 pounds of dryer capacity, 40 pounds of washer capacity, and several big washers and big dryers. Programmable so the men can't change the setting on there and, and take it up too long or too short because we want to sanitize everything we wash, and that's huge. We've remodeled part of the men's dorm upstairs so that they have a clean, bright, safe area to sleep, and we're moving out to the, the 
other room where there's beds for 60 men from the streets, and we're going to totally redo that as well so that it's clean, safe, and we know what the wiring looks like behind the walls. We know all those things. And then we're moving downstairs. We've already done our program men's break area. That's all brand new. And I think I told you before that when we tore the sheetrock off the wall, they found out that there was dry rot from an old shower that had been removed way before I ever got there. I didn't even know it was up there. And it had rotted that timber so badly that it was dangerous. I mean, really dangerous. The minute they saw it, they braced it up, replaced those things. And yes, before you guys uh, scratch your heads, we're getting permits for all of this. We're not, we're not trying to bootleg things in or hide anything from anybody. Uh, we're working with the city on permitting and everything, and they've been very good to us. I mean, they they really have. So, um, so we got that all fixed up and shored up, and the wiring replaced, and you know, because when the building was built, it was probably built with a lot of volunteer labor, and that's wonderful. But it really still needs to be perfect in what it's doing. Our kitchen has always been great. We've got the big hoods. We've got everything out there that we need. And so that part is fine. And then the shower area where the men from the street come, is the floor is going to be jackhammered up. We're going to lay a new floor with a, a kind of a material that goes over top that is going to last for 25 years, they said, which is good. And I don't, I don't have 25 years of being there, so it'll be the next director's a problem if it goes bad. But people have asked me, well, why are you putting all this effort into that side of the campus? It's simple. I want the people from the street and our program men to know that they are cared about. I want them to be safe, and I want them to have something clean and bright, a place to go that that says about the love of Jesus Christ, not just that you're a second-hand person and you get the bottom of every barrel. So uh, at any rate, then, then it'll be all remodeled down there. And then in the next stage, by the way, we had to replace all the evaporative coolers on the main part of the building and re-roof the top. And we're already in the process of trying to get that accomplished. We put up a stairs already when I got there that is, it's like a $35,000 staircase, but it's all made out of solid metal. It's not the rickety old thing the guys had to get down. In case of emergencies, it's big and it's wide. They can all get down those stairs safely, and which is a praise all of itself. And then we will move to the next area, which is the dining area. And that will, the sheetrock will be ripped off those walls. Everything will be inspected. Any kind of asbestos, we'll, we'll call in a remediation crew to take care of that. We don't want anybody hurt or do anything that isn't right. And so then uh, we will put the T-bar ceilings in. We'll have the duct work up there. We'll have the lighting there. And then the third and the final stage is going to be uh, our chapel. Our old chapel has been there since, the whole building's been there since 1968, and it's been used hard. So that chapel will be totally redone, some tripping hazard that's out there, and some under, we have uh, 
floor. The heater comes up from the floor. And uh, the guys, you know, there's a tripping hazard with old metal grates, so we'll get that done and get the building really essentially up to being new. And the tent structure, which I, I'm reticent to say tent. It's not a tent like we think of for camping. It's it's a big, heavy-duty, 25-year guaranteed on the, on the uh, canvas, and it's 50 years on the superstructure. If we can get that accomplished out there and use that for multiple purpose things, we want to try to get that done with stage one as we go along. How it's all going to work out, I don't know. But I do know that the naysayers and the people that have said, well, geez, you know, how are you going to get all that done? They don't understand that if you read Nehemiah, he took some pretty heavy criticism about rebuilding the wall, right? <laughs> said, if a fox were to jump on that wall, it'll fall over. And of course, they were wrong. And Nehemiah got the wall rebuilt, right? So I find those to be exciting things. We were down to very few men on the program, and now it's picking up speed again, and we're getting more men on the program. I had six sheriffs from the branch jail come out and talk to us about being able to recommend some of their men to come out to us. And, you know, I didn't really realize that they have vocational training out there because it used to be if you were in jail, you could only be in jail for one year, then you had to go to prison if if it was going to be more than that. And now it's like three to five years, I guess, you can be in in the county jail. But uh, several of the uh, women that were, you know, it was a mixture of guys and, and, and women uh, officers. And she said really with tears that, you know, she, she had at least one guy that she really knew, really wanted them to make it. And I saw in all these... They're younger people, and by that I mean like 30. I saw in every single one of them a real concern and care for the people that were otherwise called inmates. We don't always hear about that side of it, but it's really true. I could tell their compassion, and they were so amazed by the mission, which was great for me too. At the same time, we're talking to another vocational group that we can send some of our men to to get not just a GED, but an actual diploma, truck driving school, uh, welding, uh, all kinds of things uh, that they could do and get training so that they never have to be back in a place like ours, but can find a church, they can be involved in the community, they can have a family, they can pay their bills, they can be upright citizens of, of this city and of the county and all those places. So we're kind of out of time, but, and I hope that, I hope you understand that I am grateful to all the people that have tried to get involved with us. I am grateful for, for every door that seemed shut that got pushed open. I am happy that we are making connections with other people and that the amount of the men coming on the program are are, uh, is picking up. So I, there's a couple of stories some of our guys have told us that I'd really like to relate to you when we have more time. I'm going to try to bring a guest next time. So at any rate, I, I truly appreciate you listening to the radio show, and I appreciate that you are supporters of the mission, many of you. 
And if you're a follower of Christ, I am so grateful. So as always, until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. You've been listening to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. If your heart's been touched and you want to know more about the work of the mission, log on to UGMSAC.com, UGMSAC.com. To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help, call 916-447-3268, 916-447-3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street.